there, precious kinklings. You're listening to K is for Kinky, and we're your friendly neighborhood kinksters. Jen. And Eden. And today we're talking about... Um, Shame on you for forgetting this. <laughs> <laughs> this was planned. Kink shaming. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> no, you're welcome for my great comedic timing and your great follow through. Hello, and welcome to the K is for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Do not take credit for that. That was an accident. You honestly could not remember what the topic was. We are really committing to the bit for you guys, and we hope you enjoyed this episode that was totally planned from K is for Kinky. Okay, thank you for being with he- with here on us tonight for kid kid K is for Kinky. Thank you for being with us here today on K is for Kinky. Today we're talking about kink shaming. What is it? How do we get into it? How do we encourage it to happen more? Obviously, our society doesn't have enough kink shaming in it. We want to talk today about how to make kink shaming real for you. We're not doing that. Lesson one on kink shaming. (laughs) Make them feel bad as a person for the thing that they like. You gross, grosserton. You're mean. I am simply. I would never. I am simply engaging the kink shaming that we're here to promote on the podcast. Well, I'm kink shaming your kink shaming. How's about that? It's my kink to kink shame. <laughs> I've heard that. You know that people say that, right? Are you for real? Oh, I'm totally for real. See, if I'm joking around on the podcast and you find out that me being an asshole as a joke is something that you do seriously, that's you a wake up call look for in the you. Mirror. <laughs> you may want to wake up if you're... I can't believe that the people really say that. My mm-hmm. kink is to kink shame. Well, a lot of times I'll see it or I'll read it. As like somebody just kind of, you know, being a troll and like, well, what if my kink is kink shaming? That kind of thing. But it's not not cool, people. It's not cool. Yeah, no. Um, But I want to start actually with internalized kink shaming. Whoa, you're just getting really serious. And I'm over here being really goofy. (laughs) We have completely different approaches to this topic. I don't know. Well, (laughs) why don't we start with the the more serious and then we can end lighthearted so that people can finish listening and feel better i think we should do the whole thing as a big joke and throw in something serious in the middle one time but then be silly the whole rest of the time i just i feel like this deserves some serious conversation especially as a therapist like i deal with i see this a lot you all know, right sorry don't mean to uh pop your balloon which is a kink by the way it is a kink <laughs> It's on Bob's Burgers. Oh, that's right. It's well represented on Bob's Burgers during that's an entire right. episode. It surrounds it. Yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. We can be serious. Um, all joking aside, this is actually a serious topic. Um, I'm just being goofy because kink shaming is such a prolific problem in the scene. And also, we're all guilty of it to some degree. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but I want to explain what I mean. You know how there's things you say at home that you don't say out loud to other people? <laughs> Or maybe you're even better than the rest of us and you just only say mean things in your head and they never make it out of your mouth. We all have moments and people with which we share our judgmental opinions. To that extent, we're all guilty of kink shaming in the sense of we all have something that we probably seen in the scene that we've reacted to in a state of like, oh, or I don't want that for me. Right. Which is fine. Right. I think it's important to acknowledge as we start this conversation 
we can all be a little bit mean sometimes to others. And also this mean reaction or this rejection of somebody can often be a fear response or like a shock response to something that we either weren't ready to see or that we just don't feel interested in. Like I think you it's with a- buttholes. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. I have no problem with buttholes. I just wasn't expecting to see buttholes in By the last the way, episode. I'm referencing the episode on what was the episode? It was the last question. Uh, no, it was. We were answering a fuck, question about what was it called? kink and what sex was the title? being combined. And we ended up talking about genitals. And Ms. Jen insisted that buttholes anyway, are genitals. Anyway, no, just listen to the episode. I'm trying to promote people to listen to past yes. episodes. Anyway. <clears throat> no, I don't have a problem with buttholes. The, okay, but I what I'm trying to point out <laughs> the seriousness of this conversation. You just don't like cannot- a surprise butthole. <laughs> A lot of the time we react to things that we're not expecting or that we've been told are bad or wrong or that we ourselves don't want to do or that we ourselves are judging in ourselves. We often react to that by being judgmental externally. And it's important to understand that we all do this so that we can hold ourselves accountable to not take this to a level where we're hurting other people. It is okay to have a disgust response or a shock response. To deny that you have that response on occasion is going to just suppress that reaction and make it hard for you to identify if you're engaging in actively and vocally kink shaming somebody else. Because when I just said earlier, we're all guilty of kink shaming, I meant in our heads or maybe in like with your partner you share that really grossed me out or whatever we all have things that we don't really want to encounter that's that are not our deal there's a saying that is your kink is not my kink and that's okay that's where we want to take this shock disgust reaction and move it to we want to move through i have shock or rejection of this thing that's unfamiliar to me or that i don't want to do we want to move through that into i accept that someone else does not have the same lived experience as me and that someone else has a different want than me. And as long as no one is being harmed in a way that is damaging to their mind or their body in a and way that consensual. Cannot, yeah, that's not consensual. As long as everything's consensual, legal, and no one is being harmed, let it be. That is the general meaning of your kink is not my kink and that's okay. It doesn't mean you have to be okay with the kink for yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to have a private reaction or an internal reaction of disgust. And it doesn't mean you're bad for having that type of reaction internally. Or again, I think sharing with a safe person as you process, that's okay. But it becomes a problem when we are saying things that are very judgmental of other people's kinks. It's like, I don't like lima beans. I think they're gross. And if you're eating lima beans, I don't want to eat them. And that's okay. I also don't have to be like making barf noises next to you. Or like don't call them lima breath. That's not nice. What the fuck? With kink, it's even more serious than like a preference because of the serious part that I wanted to bring into this internalized shame that a lot of people hold. And so when they experience that type of judgment externally, it can really, really damage somebody. Internalized shame can also be the reason that some of us have discussed reactions or loud reactions to things that we aren't ready to address in ourselves. I am going to compare this very briefly to like internalized transphobia. We can have large reactions to other people or denials of other people because we're not right with ourselves. And it's important to acknowledge the culpability that we all have and the ability. Just think of politicians. I'm just saying we're all human, but it doesn't excuse poor behavior. So we have to first say it is valid to have a feeling, but how I deal with that feeling and what I do with other people matters. And my feeling might be valid, but what I, if I'm being 
unkind or cruel to another person, that's not okay, no matter how valid the feeling is. Um, let's talk about the nuance of kink shaming for a second here. Yes, internalized shame is a thing. Well, and it's it's something that you see a lot, and it could be for different reasons. It could be from being brought up in a certain religion and getting told, like, these things are not okay. Um, you know, it could be external like that. It can also just be, I have this desire and... <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, you're growing up as a kid or whatever, and you have this desire that you don't hear your friends talking about, you don't see it represented, you start to think I am the only one, not knowing that there's probably a whole big community of people out there when you get older. Um, but, you know, I'm the only one, therefore, it must be wrong. I'm weird. Um, something's wrong with me, right? And that's where shame comes in. You know, shame is typically a feeling that we get that is about who we are um, as opposed to guilt which is about what we did something we did right yeah so it can really come from anything to feel that shame and I think you know something that I would often bring up in my one-on-one class um, the demo class specifically I would talk about role play and I would talk about you know this is this is the playground the kink and BDSM community and the play that we do is the playground that you can explore those dark corners. And as long as you're doing it with consenting people, that's okay. It's okay to do that. And I'd much rather people explore those dark corners in consensual play than either take it out in a non-consensual way or bury it and just feel awful. I think another thing that can help, just, just before we get into what I feel are important, subtle ways of kink shaming to discuss, because I think a lot of people engage in kink shaming in a very subtle way. I think very few people are going out there being like, I fucking hate these three kinks and everybody who does them sucks. I think a lot of people are kink shaming more subtly, and we should talk about that. But a great way to challenge internalized shame or kink shame is to ask the partner you're playing with what they enjoy about engaging in the activity with you. I do that with certain types of play with Miss Jen. I'll say, what do you like about this? I mean, honestly, the more questions I'm asking about why do you like it, it really is more of a mirror to show that I'm not comfortable with my own desire to do it. And it's I'm seeking comfort in knowing I'm not the only one interested in the activity and also trying to understand why does this person like it from that side of the equation? And it helps me. I think it's important to show enthusiasm when you're playing with somebody and to be open to discussing why you're enthusiastic, why you like them, why you like the activity. It can be very supportive. So I think sharing with others who enjoy your kink, whether they're doing it actively with you or they just share the same interest, can really counteract internalized kink shame. Um, and I really love that. I really, really fucking love community support on this one. Also, pulling an interest apart in the sense of don't assume that somebody who says, I'm into blank, that you know what that means for that person. <laughs> Right. Like I'll take a really common one. Somebody says I'm into feet. Right. And you're like, hmm, I'm not really into feet. Uh, the And like all of the like negative stereotypes that are out there, you know what I'm talking about, come into your brain and it's like, oh, you're one of those feet people. And this could be anything. Right. Or I'm really into latex, like whatever it is. And you start talking and you're like, hey, let me follow this up. Rather than making assumptions and judgments, 
I'm going to follow that up with, oh, what about it do you like? And maybe, you know, in your head, you're thinking about all the extreme forms of foot play and they're like, oh, well, I really just am super into offering foot rubs to people. And you're like, oh, I want that (laughs) That could be great. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, we also put a lot of judgment based on our assumptions and and past knowledge as well. I think. Also, a very common thing that happens with kinksters in general is that we all want to be able to engage in our sense of what kink is. So like a lot of people come in and they're like, I just want to be able to be spanked. I just want to be able to have sex with some hair pulling. And that's very common for vanilla people who are like sort of exploring their kinkier sides and who are discovering they are some flavor of kink. Um, It's very common for people to come in and be like. Well, let's not kink shame that. That is totally kinky. I'm not kink shaming it. (laughs) I'm legit I'm kind of saying, how oh, is <laughs> my king shaming? I'm saying there are a lot of people who agree that a certain, I don't know, like the shallow end of the kink pool is okay. But if somebody's in the deep end of the kink pool, that's not okay. And I feel like any kink that crosses from the shallow end towards the deeper end is generally judged. Or if it's the deeper end, then you're in. Yeah, exactly. Deeper to you. So like, and this is hard, but like, Things like types of kinks I've often heard had judgment placed upon them, not for reasons of concern over harm, just because they exist or like scat play, golden showers, um, age play or or just being little um, pup play or animal play of any kind. And also sometimes more extreme forms of MS or DS blood play, anything that the pain is more extreme, any edge play often is perceived by many to be in the deep end of the pool. Um, Or like things like feet where somebody fetishizes a particular body part or a particular object. When you said foot fetish, the first thing that popped into my mind is a guy going around a party asking to rub people's feet. And there is an actual stereotype against that in the scene that I've encountered. And there's also a huge group of people who really like that. But there's a lot of judgment placed simply because you are a male bodied person who is genuinely interested in offering a form of service. Maybe you get something out of it. Maybe you don't beyond the service and you're really just offering it. Maybe for you, it's a form of connection and intimacy. Maybe you want to get to know people and you find that people really like foot massages and you get really good foot massages. Maybe feet are hot to you and it's sexual for you and you are looking for consenting partners to do that with. Why should that make you automatically creepy? And yet a lot of kink shaming comes in with, I judge you for the thing you like because I have learned it's okay to judge you for that. And I think that that's also important to hold all of us accountable, me included, like everybody, everybody listening, all humans accountable for the fact that usually our culture comes with a preset download of things that's okay to laugh at other people for. Well, we're all already judged by the mainstream community, right? Like all of us are judged already by by most other people outside of this community. And you're right. I think, you know, we get into more extreme stuff. Socks talked about it when we interviewed her, you know, how even, you know, within the community, people that do that type of play. Blood play get, is what's being discussed. Right yeah. Now. I was trying to reduce the number of trigger warnings. say it. Um, the word. We're not like, here's a description vividly. Yeah. But like she was talking about how, you know, within the scene, because it's more extreme or whatever, that, you know, people think that everyone who does that thing, or at least she feels like what she gets is that they're judged for being weird or whatever, right? Like scary. Yeah. Scary and weird and mean and whatever. Um, And it's just, yeah. It's sucky. Um, 
so I think the first thing to do is to just make everybody aware that we're all capable of engaging in kink shaming, even if we don't think that, that we're that type of person. And it stems with discomfort with something, shock at something, disgust reaction to something, and then a need to... Or ignorance. Yeah, or ignorance, right? But the kink shaming starts, it crosses from internalized judgment and possible externalized processing with a safe person. That is generally speaking okay. As long as you're not gossiping and spreading rumors about somebody, right? That's not in, that's not safe processing with a person that's like, I'm going to say stuff and ruin somebody. and blah, 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 blah. But that's not cool. <laughs> that Let's just, differ- I don't know, it's my evil maniacal <laughs> gossiping voice. I don't know. But it crosses into kink shaming when you take that judgmental thought and you put that out as a statement of fact. You lob that at somebody as kind of a joke. You're laughing at somebody or you're otherwise finding ways to put down a person or to heavily distance yourself from something out of fear of even being associated. These are the forms of kink shaming where we're all capable of doing it. Many of us probably have done it without thinking. Um, And it can really hurt somebody. And I want to talk a little bit about what some of these more subtle kink shamings are. Here's an example of a subtle kink shaming. We're talking about scat play. I'm going to use that as an example because a lot of people don't want to engage in that. And a person's reaction is, oh, 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 I do not engage in that. It's, it's fine. Your kink's not my kink and that's okay, but I don't do that. I don't do that. What the hell just happened? Besides my amazing evil laugh that I just totally like, <laughs> you know, made up for the podcast. This person needs you to know how unacceptable that kink is to them. And like they are tagging on the line, your kink is not my kink and, that, is that, and that's okay. But they are legitimately laughing at, scoffing at, and putting down others and clearly distinguishing themselves as not associated with that thing that they don't like and others as associated with that thing. That is still a judgmental reaction. (laughs) It is a subtle kink shame. But the person who maybe is doing it might go, well, I said your kink is not my kink and that's okay. That's like somebody saying, no offense, but (laughs) like just because you say no offense and then say something that's offensive. Yeah. It doesn't matter. This is what I mean, though. This is a subtle kink shame. And I, if you hear this and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I didn't make that funny of a laugh. But yes, I did kind of do something similar. You're not an evil person, but you have some accountability and some change to do, right? Like there's that type of subtle kink shame that happens. Another form of, I think, more subtle kink shaming is taking that step of talking with a partner and getting feedback and processing it with a safe person. Or if it's not a partner, maybe a close friend, but somebody you trust there's that externalized processing that goes on, which hopefully the person you trust is there to hold you accountable. They may do some some pushback, like, hey, I hear that you're grossed out by that, but maybe that's not the nicest way to put that, right? Like, that's what our friends and our partners and people in our life who are supportive are there for. But another form of subtle kink shaming is laughing at something with chosen friends who agree that thing is not okay or that that thing is gross and only doing that with those friends, but basically having a form of click where you are casting judgment, but you justify that by saying, well, it doesn't get to the person I said it about, so it's fine. But here's the thing, like that kind of situation, and this happens in all different realms, but like you're hanging out at a munch and you're in a group of five and they're your buddies and you know them, whatever, but something comes up about, I don't know, I'm earlobes. I'm just going to pick something that's not <laughs> specific or not as common. Um and somebody's like, oh, yeah, those people that are really into earlobes. Oh, yeah. And you're all getting in on the, like, yuck conversation. 
you could one of those friends that is in on that conversation could actually be one of those people that's into earlobes and is now feeling so much shame around it is embarrassed to say it and so joins in on making fun of quote unquote people that are into earlobes meanwhile there they sit being shamed I think another way of people kink shaming that's not so much subtle but like it's a kind of a high and mighty way of kink shaming is to be like normally I don't engage in kink shaming but or like another one that I just read today on FetLife was like I am going to yuck this yum like basically referencing that they're aware that kink shaming is a thing they're aware there's a standard but they have personally deemed that this one thing is okay and they indicate this very bad one thing is okay. That's another form of kink shaming where a person basically reveals their level of knowledge and also reveals their level of discard for other people who fall into that category. I think we talked a little bit about people being ignorant, you know, or confused about something and that causing a lot of resistance or rejection. I want to use age play as an example of ignorance because I think a lot of people when they hear about age play, they get squicked out for lots of reasons. Um, squicked out, by the way, is another way of saying kind of like grossed out or like whatever. But I, I like to use the word squicked out because we all get as kind of a squick reaction. And like it for some mean... people, when you say the word moist, um, <laughs> wait, but you're yeah. one of those people that well, I to say it more. I, I don't mind moist cake, but I don't like the word like moist outside of the word like with cake. Moist. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I forgot what I was gonna say. Now I can think of this moist. <laughs> this is terrible. I deserved this. Age play, squig. I deserved this because I interrupted her (laughs) earlier. So, Um, yeah, but like a lot of people get squicked out because they have their own boundaries or they don't understand. And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding with age play because people automatically go like children, pedophilia, therefore anything with these things or surrounding these things or adjacent to these things or anywhere close to these things or that reminds me of these things is automatically bad. As opposed to understanding and looking at the reality that everybody engaged in age play is a consenting adult over the age of 18. And also age play is a way of connecting sometimes to parts of ourself or aspects of ourself that didn't get to be active in childhood, that now get to be active. It can be a really healing experience for a lot of people. And this is why that phrase, your kink is not my kink and that's okay, exists of I support you growing and I support you exploring, but I can't be around that for my own reasons. This is a healthy way of setting the boundary, but ignorance will often lead people to be very vocal about having a problem with age play because they just assume that there's something wrong. Well, it's a slippery slope of, well, if you want to pretend to be with a child, then therefore it means that you actually want to be with a bio child. As opposed to thinking my this adult who is a dominant or a daddy or a mommy or a caretaker or a zaddy or all of the different names i'm sure i missed absolutely a million so of many them. yeah so fine. many were missed i i it's i fine. move on what if that person likes to be with their partner and the person they're with and they also really enjoy being able to caretake on that level they really like to be playful or maybe like they get certain parts of them fed that they didn't get to feed. Maybe engaging in that is the fucking best thing ever for them. And they also get to do adult things with that partner as well at certain times, like that when a person's in an adult headspace, why is that evil or wrong? You know what I mean? Like there's a lid for every pot. Why are you over there being cranky about it? Because it's not the lid that fits you. Like that's for real. But also I'm pointing out like ignorance can be a big cause of kink shaming. The one thing I want to say to differentiate between kink shaming and important conversation about the ethics of certain kinks is that there are times and places to be discussing stuff that you might have an issue with or or that you are concerned about. 
if you're curious about why somebody does something, you should ask and understand. And that would be my approach for even a kink that you are worried may be harmful in certain people's hands. Ask the question, hey, what, why are you interested in this? What, what, what's in this like for you? Like what, what gets you off with this? Um, how, do you, how do you feel about this in kink and how do you feel about this in real life? What's the difference there? These are things that you can ask to sort of stimulate conversation and, and growth about understanding another person while still giving yourself the freedom in certain spaces to have discourse if you really believe something is harmful. Well, an understanding that there is a difference between fantasy and reality across the board. Just because somebody really enjoys creating a scene where they, I'll just keep it real mild, get spanked, <laughs> right, does not mean that if they're walking down the street and some stranger comes across and spanks them, that it's okay, right? There's a reality and then there's the fantasy that is created in consensual kink. And there's a big difference there. And we have to separate those things. You know, it's kind of like you could be the, the heaviest masochist ever, but knocking into your coffee table with your shin is not the kind of pain you're looking for. There's a there's difference. There's nuance here. And the reality versus creating something that is negotiated is very, very different. I think also, I love that point, by the way, fantasy versus reality, um, because the scene becomes dangerous and the things we do in the scene become dangerous when we step outside the realm of what was negotiated or like what is healthy. Um, and we get into the realm of taking something into reality so far that it actually becomes toxic or impossible to do safely. An example of something that would be very, 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 very difficult to do safely, maybe somebody is capable of doing it. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I think for many it would be not really feasible to spend an entire year locked in a cage. That might be a fantasy for somebody, but in actual practice, the complications that could arise for somebody psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and physically – Psychologically is mentally. Why did I add psychologically and mentally? <laughs> Other forms of your mentality besides your psychology. <laughs> Anyways, the amount of harm that could result from that is incalculable. However, maybe somebody could do it well. I don't know. I am not saying blanketly it's impossible, but I am saying it's questionable that it could be done well and that I would want to know more about what a person is intending to do if they are taking that responsibility on for caring for somebody in a cage for an entire year. Like we have to be able to have conversation about the nuance between kink shaming and questioning if something is causing harm. Because another type of kink that almost never gets kink shamed, but that is absolutely not allowed in any dungeon I'm aware of is breath play. And there's a reason why breath play isn't allowed in dungeons because there is no way of predictably controlling the outcome with every single person and the actual consequence for taking a risk and it not paying off or for misapplying pressure or for just bad luck is potential brain damage, loss of life. It is severe. And yet we don't look at talking about the harm that breath play can cause as kink shaming. We look at it as practical. And I think it's reasonable if somebody says, I really like to do breath play to say, hey, cool. What are your safety procedures? What type of breath play do you do? What is your plan if I become brain dead? and you're playing with me. What is your culpability and what is your responsibility? What do we do moving forward? Who will be taking care of my children when I become brain dead because we did breath play? Will it be you? That's a really valid question to ask a top who wants to do breath play with you. 
Um, this is not kink shaming. This is practical questions about a serious possibility addressing potential harm. However, I would hate for someone to listen to this portion of the episode and turn around and go, I really think H play is harmful because I think it's pedophilia <laughs> because I've decided that. So I'm going to go well, ahead. You can't just decide a definition. I understand. But I'm saying like, you really need to be holding yourself accountable if you're going to be questioning if something is harmful by defining what harm means and really seeking out, is this causing harm? Listening to many voices about does this cause harm? Not just one voice that you prefer to listen to, but as many voices as possible about a, a kink if it's harmful or not, right? Um, and even then, I would be careful how we speak out about it because I think it's okay to point out this could be causing harm and I want to talk about it. Um, and that's very different from accosting somebody or accusing somebody of being a bad person because they do the thing that you are questioning. It's really not for us to decide if every single person who does something is doing it well or ethically. It's okay to ask questions, however, but don't be a dick. I feel like that's a huge portion of this episode is don't be a don't dick. Don't be a dick. And I'll also tell you, it's a very small portion of kinks that could even classify as falling into the line of needing to be questioned because they might be harmful. Really and honestly, like most kinks, if you are having a problem with them and you're feeling the need to kink shame, you're probably being a dick. It's probably not you having an issue with the harm. It's probably you being either ignorant, disgusted because you don't like the thing, or battling something in yourself. And you have to hope that people engaging in those more extreme kinks are doing their research, are informed consent uh, in terms of knowing the risks and mitigating as well as they can the as far as I know which I don't know everything but I as far as I know I would say probably two of the most possibly dangerous in terms of if something goes horribly wrong types of play you already mentioned breath play and rope and rope is huge I mean, I can only speak for the SoCal area, but like rope is a huge, huge thing, like really big um, <laughs> to do rope. And people often don't realize or think about the fact that you can cause some serious damage doing rope. At best, nerve damage that could be permanent or semi-permanent um, and death can happen it's I mean obviously anyone can die at any time I'm not don't do that but like <laughs> rope and breath play are two things that could depending on you know especially how you play with them could result in some long-lasting effects and yeah I mean there's other stuff too right you're playing you know scat play and things like that you have to worry about illness um, I'm not sure I haven't done a lot of research into that so I'm not sure like all the all the possible thing I don't know I just don't know much about it um, but my point is that what is my point my point <laughs> fuck <laughs> I lost my point here's some very common kinks that are actually the most dangerous and there's not a whole lot of kink shaming around those things in terms of like breath play or rope play Yet there can be something like a foot fetish or I don't know what's age play, whatever it is that gets kink shamed just because it's maybe not as common, right? Maybe just because something isn't as common, it ends up getting shamed 
just for that reason. Why? You know? I really find that that is true, that the majority rules in the scene, that if you are not part of the majority and you are not doing one of the top 10 most common kinks, basically, you're going to be seen as different enough to receive some sort of judgment or some sort of rejection. I really want to improve this. And I think a huge part of improving this is acknowledging that difference between discussing things that have higher risk of harm through a lens of making sure we're all as well prepared as possible and making sure that we are all as safe as possible. Like I'd rather focus on having those conversations and on like education with that than I would like focus on isolating and like stigmatizing the less usual kinks or simply the kinks that many of us are uncomfortable with. I think it's pretty common to be uncomfortable with body fluids or body products, the products of the body. I don't know. <laughs> body. That doesn't oh, makes bath body, and body works. Stuff. It makes bath and body works have a whole new meaning. Oh, um, but I'm saying it's really, they will never sponsor us. A lot of people have an almost instinctive reaction to certain things like that. And also a lot of us haven't taken the time to try to understand you know, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this, to be real, when it comes to body function. I think most of us have learned through childhood that if somebody farts, it's okay to go, ew, you farted. I mean, Ms. Jen and I tease each other about farting frequently, but we're in a consensual relationship <laughs> where that's healthy interaction between us. But I'm saying, like, it's something that's taught that we react in a grossed out way to body functions. Um, and it's also not really necessary for us to even do that in real life, right? Nor is it necessary to do that in a kink context either. Not that kink isn't real life, but like in the life at large, we are doing this practice and maybe it should be stopped there as well. It's normal to have a certain reaction, but we should be questioning why we are having that judgmental reaction towards people who are coming into a space consensually seeking other people they want to do things with, like not looking to shock or scar you just looking to engage in their own kink. Why are we feeling the need to judge that? Honestly, like we even allow and encourage people like in the scene, I say we as in like not Miss Jen and I, but like the scene at large, like a large community of people are working to give language for people to be able to indicate when they don't want to hear something. Like it's okay to be like, hey, I really understand that you love this thing, but I don't really feel comfortable talking about it and I don't want to see it. I support you. I just am not at a place for myself where I want to experience that. It's okay to put up your own boundaries. That's not the same as kink shaming. And I kind of also want to flip the coin here and say that if you're walking around talking about a kink that you have that other people don't want to discuss and you're using vivid detail and you're not giving opportunity for people to withdraw consent, you're also kind of forcing a kink on somebody. And I want to talk about the nuance of that for a second because I talked about the nuance of kink shaming. But I also want to talk about the nuance of making people deliberately uncomfortable or non-deliberately doing it because you don't have a concept of appropriate conversation. I had been at a munch before where a guy came up to me and immediately wanted to talk about his fetishes in extreme detail, like graphic sexual detail. I was not interested in hearing that. I didn't want to imagine him in those scenarios. And I honestly didn't want to be bombarded in that space or honestly any space without consent with graphic sexual detail. I didn't want to, and it wasn't pleasant for me. And it's not because I have a problem that he wants to do that with a consenting partner. I didn't want you to hear. consenting. No, I wasn't consenting to hearing it. And I do feel like I was forced into a position where I was kind of made to be a voyeur to something that I didn't want to be a part of. There is a difference between asking people to respect you enough to not shame you for your kink and expecting people to just be okay with very extreme graphic descriptions of what you want to do. And I think that there is a type of person who actually 
capitalizes on that your kink is not my kink and that's okay like expectation and overshares in public group spaces I've seen that happen in groups that I've run where somebody will overshare and give graphic sexual detail usually or like just very graphic intense personal intimate information about something that they have done or want to do and it's too much like it makes people uncomfortable because they may not have wanted to hear that level I think we need to be aware that there are different levels of comfort around us I think there's also a time and place so like here's an example if you are going to a party that is a golden showers party it is advertised for golden showers you can expect yes you can expect that when you arrive at that party you will experience that if you show up to that party and you did not read what that party was about and you walk in and you see what's happening guess who's responsible for you not being ready to see it it's well, you. I want to point out, you said you will experience it. I want to point out that you won't experience it without consent in terms of it being done to you. You're going to see it. Yeah, but you'll. <laughs> it'll be in front of you. It'll be in the vicinity. Yeah. You may smell things. Well, yeah, um, like you will experience it. Your things, senses will things. experience yeah. it. Yeah, I just like, wanted to make sure it was clear yes. that you didn't mean that it would just randomly but be I'm done to you. To treat people poorly when they're in designated spaces to do things that you should expect that they might do is a problem well and on that count you know if you're in a dungeon and you're at a party and somebody is doing a type of play in one of the rooms that you're not into it's fine for you to recognize oh there's somebody in here doing that thing that i'm not cool with i'm just going to keep walking and i might avoid that room for a little while until i know that they're finished what's not okay is you know, giving the grossed out look or going, oh, God, and then removing yourself. Um, I mean, that's not OK on many levels, uh, but that is absolutely kink shaming. Um, heaven forbid they hear you or see you do that in the middle of their scene. That's not OK. If you're worried that somebody is doing something that might be against the rules, go to a DM ask the dm to take a look and find out is it against the rules is it not is it just me being squicked squicked out yes yeah, um or is it something that actually but don't take it upon yourself to decide that that is for the dm or the host to determine you could also point out if something's very disruptive so like if you're like hey this person's being really 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 loud and yelling this particular phrase over and over again and it's really hard for me I'm going to talk to a DM and see if that can be handled or if I need to move like again always better to go for external help never okay to necessarily assume or take it upon yourself to a degree but I think the final note that I want to make on this subject is one we should all be trying our best to not kink shame and that means holding ourselves accountable for our facial expressions, for the way that we rapidly distance ourselves from things that we cast judgment upon, and also potentially for comments that we make to friends that might go beyond productive processing and into that space of bullying, shaming, or just gossiping. I think we all could be at guilt at fault for that at some point, and we should all be aware that we could do that so that we can start to take accountability to try not to do that. I think it's also important if you have done this and you realize, ah, shit, I did this, apologize say hey I want to talk to you about something I think that I did this or I asked a question this way or I reacted this way and I want to say I'm sorry that I did this and I own that that wasn't okay and I'm working on that like that's how you apologize for that thing why are you laughing what happened 
I didn't know it was at the end of my drink and it made the slurpy sound oh. and I didn't mean to interrupt you with that. It's okay. It's my kink to hear the slurpy sound. <laughs> oh, there it is. Um, is it moist? Oh man. oh, man. Um, I think the other takeaway as well is the one that I want to give very much is that saying you can't shame me for my kink is not a defense against doing things that are harmful that are being discussed in open like public forum discourse either yeah don't be like being an asshole is my kink no yeah if you are (laughs) engaging in a practice that could be very harmful and you are not making it very well known how you are aware of the possible harm and what you do to counteract it if you are actually being harmful like let's say that you are in a ds relationship and you say that's just my ds but really what you're doing is narcissistic and abusive you don't get to hide behind that's my kink and you don't understand it and you can't criticize it because it's my kink if you're doing something harmful or if there is a need for people to ask questions like or to just discuss in designated public spaces whether or not something is ethical it's not necessarily an indication that you're being kink shamed it could be the community holding itself accountable to making sure that we're doing the best practices possible and that we are being as safe as possible like that could also be going on so i think we have to kind of enter into this space with some nuance and we also need to hold ourselves accountable for maintaining our own boundaries without making others feel like shit right And also for being discerning about how much graphic information we share about things we like with those who may or may not have a capacity to hold interest or who may not be willing to hear. Because actually info dumping information that is potentially triggering, overwhelming, traumatizing, or just squicky to somebody and forcing them because of social construct to have to stay in here out of politeness is a form of boundary pushing. So these are all of the nuances of this possible conversation about kink shaming. It is a real problem in the scene and it's a real problem, problem I think, because we all don't discuss the nuance. Yeah. Hopefully this conversation... It's a real problem everywhere. Yeah. Hopefully this conversation pushes pushes it across the line a little further. Hopefully you have things to chew on and think about. Um, I am not going to ask if you're guilty of this because you know what? I think if you are, just do your work. Like, you don't need to confess or feel like shit. Do your work and adjust yourself, right? If you're not guilty of this, congratulations. You're great, <laughs> right? Um, and if you're somebody who maybe has overshared or dumped, look at that and be like, maybe I need to learn. Sorry, now you got me back to scat play. You said dumped. Uh, yes. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> the last piece of advice that I have. Info dumped is what you meant, right? Info dumped. Okay. Yeah, I guess Just that's making what I sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The last piece of advice advice I'd have is write down a list of kinks that make you uncomfortable. Be aware that you're uncomfortable and just sit with that and go, I'm uncomfortable. Or maybe I think this kink is harmful. And here's how I'm going to process that. And here's how I'm going to do research and work to navigate that. But here are some things I'm not going to do. And, and hold yourself accountable, you know, and, and become more familiar with your discomfort. Because the possibility is maybe you're really uncomfortable with age play because you're an age player. Could or because be. you just have no idea what it's about. Yep. And mm-hmm. you haven't done your research or talked to real people who engage in it. Yeah, exactly. We often are uncomfortable because there are unsettled unfinished business things in ourselves so this could be an opportunity for self-growth as well and that's a beautiful thing but at the very least you could learn to live and let live and it harm none let it be right 
We often fear what we don't understand. And also for all of us on our own journey, you know, you're in this long enough and I can guarantee you more than likely more. How did I say that? More than likely. I thought you were doing a voice. Was that not intentional? It was not. More than likely you could have things that totally like squig you out that actually become fetishes or kinks for you. And you could also have the opposite, right? But kinks and interests and all of that are are fluid um we can change and as we grow in the scene as we learn more about other kinks and what they are actually about and about ourselves you know you might find yourself in year one going ew and then in year four you're like hey so you know i'm just saying (laughs) just saying like that foot fetish is looking pretty good right about now (laughs) exactly yeah. Thank All you so right. much for listening to our episode on kink shaming. We hope we gave you food for thought. And we also hope that you listen to this amazing shout out for our team and for our Call Me Kinklings. We're talking about Tussle, Lena, and Sid. Bum, bum, bum. You know them. You love them. They we are our team. certainly do. Yes. Because they helped build a lot of our online presence. <laughs> they help maintain our, our sense of selves. And they boost our morale. They are the team. <laughs> They all contribute in various ways, but today we're just going to shout out by saying to all of them uniformly, but also uniquely, thank you. Spanks. Thanks. And of course, our Call Me Kinklings. Pudding. And? Jenny. Jenny and Pudding. Thank you so much for being Call Me Kinklings. We appreciate you. Um, If you want to be a Call Me Kinkling and hear your name at the end of every episode or potentially thrown into the middle, it occasionally happens. Um, go ahead and check out our Patreon. It's over there at patreon.com and you look up K's or Kinky and we pop up. Um, we may be reorganizing some of our Patreon by the end of this year. This is the year of 2023, in case you don't know. And in 2024, it might look slightly different. So keep an eye on that change. But we really have made a commitment to try to make our tiers legitimately, like outrageously affordable for any budget. If you can only pay a dollar a month, it's there for you. We really have a $1 tier. But also, also, you don't have to financially support us. You can just support us with a five-star review. Or also, you could do my favorite form of support, which is sending us messages, giving us listener questions. That's right. We are now calling for listener questions. We really genuinely want them, and we really genuinely respond to them. We have had multiple episodes just designed by you guys. What do you want to hear us talk about? Um, let us know at kisforkinky.org. Uh, Wait, does our website let us send, mes- send messages? I don't know. But you can email us. You can also email us. <laughs> I guess we just advertise the website for no reason. You can also email <laughs> us at kisforkinkyje.com. So if you'd like to send us an email. At gmail.com. That's what I said. You just said kisforkinkyje.com. <laughs> oh. kisforkinkyje at gmail.com. Oh, my God. Uh, please send us an email. We really want to hear from you. Um, and with all that being said, thanks for joining us today on K is for Kinky. Be well, precious kinklings. Bye. Bye.